following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. You've heard the word from John, how the birth of Christ is told quite differently in John's understanding and revelation that reached all the way back to the creation. You've heard Luke's familiar version, which primarily tells through the eyes and experience of Mary. Now listen to a portion of Matthew who tells the birth of Christ through the eyes of Joseph, Matthew Chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is God's holy word. Statisticians tell us that naming a baby is something that happens very, very often, 250 times per minute on this globe. That's four times a second. That's a lot of babies. The sweet anticipation of childbirth, though, is heightened, wouldn't you agree, when young parents begin at first to venture a name and think of a name and then refer to that expected child in the womb by name. Suddenly there's a realization that it's not just a blob of cells or an it. It's a person. He or she is a real human being who has not yet drawn a first breath in this world, but nevertheless we hope will do so. And think about the long-term consequences of a baby's name. Uh, There's a little discussion in our extended family, I won't say who or why, about getting a tattoo. And, of course, the grandfather's argument is, think of what you're doing. You can't easily take this back. 
you will have this when you're 70. And that is the way it is with a name of a child. It may seem cute to use the latest trendy name, but once again, the child is going to have this when they're 70. A little person is going to be branded by you for a name to be called upon them as they go to school, as they move out into the world, as they're an employee, as the government registers them in different ways, as they get a passport. Eventually, that name is going to be engraved on granite in some cemetery. I checked the Social Security Administration website listing the most commonly used names for the last century. That's back to World War I. For boys, the top ten names of a century probably don't surprise you that much. James, John, Robert, Michael, William, David, Richard, Joseph, Thomas, and Charles. For girls, I think there's a couple surprises in there, but the top ten are Mary, Patricia, Jennifer, Elizabeth, Linda, Barbara, Susan, Jessica, Margaret, and Sarah. Now, both Mary and Joseph from the first century would have found their names in the, those 20th century most popular top ten. But what if they had been told that they were limited in naming the baby that was born in Bethlehem from the 20th century top ten? We might have had Charles of Nazareth instead of Jesus. Who knows? My task as a preacher of the Word of God is to show you week by week the multifaceted truths that the Bible reveals about the most important personality who has lived in all of world history. Even those who do not believe in him as disciples would certainly have to admit that Jesus Christ qualifies to be one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent, personality of human history. You know, there's a little brass plaque. I've referred to it every once in a while, but you folks don't see it. It's right here. I'm just polishing it a little bit with my thumb a little brass plate that was put on the top of this lectern years ago, which I or any speaker here can easily see. And it serves an important purpose because I'm old enough that I might come into this pulpit someday and have a total blackout, a total amnesia, and say, what am I doing here? Why did I come here at all? What am I supposed to be doing? And this little shiny brass plate would inform me if that amnesia took over, with the words of John 12, verse 21, it bears a message that actually is from you to me, because it says, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. We wish to know Jesus. When it comes right down to it, that's Christmas is just that simple, isn't it? And yet there's so much to know and so much to see when we want to talk about this one who has a name that is above every name. I first want to ask you to think about the revelation of this name as it is given here to Joseph in Matthew 1, and by the way, also given equally so to Mary in the visitation to her. The revelation of of the name of Jesus is here. And we have to be reminded that to Joseph, the simple carpenter, who, by the way, never speaks. So it always impressed me that Joseph doesn't speak. Joseph says nothing. 
He listens, he watches, he responds, he obeys, but he doesn't speak. To Joseph, Mary's pregnancy was a big problem. He knew this baby was not his. He knew he had abstained from intimate relations with her in the formal betrothal period, much more formally observed than it is in our society today. And now Mary had come and said that she's with child, and of all things, God is responsible. Well, Joseph, being a reasonable man, a rational man, prepared to do, we're told, what the law allowed him to do, to quietly, legally end the betrothal with a formal writ of divorce. In all probability, Mary would never again be able to marry. She would be somewhat disgraced in the eyes of people of her village and region. But at least Joseph would have what was owed to him, his freedom. Well, then, of course, he had the first of several important dreams. There are other dreams of Joseph, but we'll not speak of them tonight. He had a vision which was so clear to him and so impressive, the message as we read it came across, Joseph, marry your fiancé and name her son Jesus, because he is the one of Isaiah's prophecy, of whom it was said he would be virgin-born and sent by God. Well, this was just a common man, not a theologian, not a Bible scholar, but a man who knew that God was speaking to him. And so there was nothing for him to do but rise up from that dream and obey God. And we read in Matthew 1.25 that when the baby did arrive in Bethlehem, Joseph conferred that God-revealed name. By the way, it was the father's prerogative to name the child in that time. I didn't read the part of Luke, but you could flip there and know if you wish to, Luke 131, where Mary had an angelic appearance and a revelation from God as well. And she, too, got divine instruction that this was God's work and that the name should be Jesus. So God gave both of them a revelation about this name. He came to them a little bit differently in in each case, but the same conclusion was given. And so it seems that in the realization of the name, Joseph at least dropped all objections. Mary understood a confusing and fearful thing, and they were able to come together and say, God has revealed this thing. God wants this child named Jesus as he has instructed us. The revealed name of the wonderful child was like the glue that put this relationship back together and back on track. In the Bible, a name often reveals the nature of the one who bears the name. Many examples of that. You think of Simon, whose name was changed to Peter. Think of the Old Testament patriarch Jacob, who had a rather dishonorable sounding or meaning name. Jacob actually meant in the original idea of it, schemer or conniver, one who practices sharp things to cheat others. And his twin Esau, who was cheated by Jacob, says in Genesis 27, is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has cheated me these two times. Names mean things. Well, the name Jesus is the Greek form of a Hebrew name. The Hebrew is Yeshua or Joshua, which means Jehovah saves 
or the Lord saves. The root meaning of the name is something that God does and only God can do. He saves, he rescues, he intervenes, he redeems, he ransoms. He buys out of slavery to sin a people to be his own people. And so it says here, Matthew one twenty one, the goal of this baby's life is the meaning of his name. He will save his people from their sins. Somebody has counted and tells me in reference works that there are at least 198 names or titles given to Jesus in the New Testament. I won't try to give you all of them. Let me just give you a a little sampler to maybe open your eyes to think about this. Christ is called the Alpha and Omega, the Ancient of Days, the Only Begotten Son, the Bread of Life, the Bright and Morning Star, the Cornerstone, the Firstborn of Creation, the Good Shepherd, the Great High Priest, the King of Kings, the Lamb of God, the Light of the World, the Lion of Judah, the Living Water, Lord of all, Lord of glory. He's called Master, Mediator, Messiah, Prince of Peace, Redeemer, Rock, Seed of David, Son of Mary, Son of the Highest. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the word of life. He's the second Adam. He's the Son of Man. And I can certainly go on, but that's only about 20% of the many wonderful names that Jesus bears. You can make a name for yourself in this world if you set out to do it. Get yourself elected to political office. Commit a grievous crime. Who would forget the name of Lee Harvey Oswald? A name living in infamy. Well, Jesus got a name that God assigned to him. A name that told us what he came to do. And yet he didn't do it by vaunting himself into a position of power or running a political campaign. He got that name by giving himself up, giving himself away. It's told about in Philippians chapter 2, a wonderful passage there where Paul says how Jesus had the rank and privilege of being God Almighty. But it says he did not count that as a thing to be grasped. Think of it. Uh, think of it. When you think how hard people run to be the President of the United States, the, the long, exhausting months and years it takes and the money, millions of dollars and the effort and expending yourself to put yourself in the office of high power. Here's Jesus who has the office of high power, the highest power. And Scripture says he thought that was not something that he had to grasp, but he sacrificed it. He stooped low to become the servant of mankind, and Paul wrote there to say, Therefore God bestowed on him the name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. To get this high name, he went low. He served. He gave up his life for you and for me. So here was the name that God revealed to Mary and Joseph together, the name Jesus, God saves. Well, once we discover what the name was, secondly, 
I believe we see through both Mary and Joseph the importance of placing your trust in the name of Jesus. And by placing your trust in that name, God draws you into his possession as his child. If you looked in 1 John chapter 3, you would read this. Here is God's commandment. He commands that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. I sometimes used to wonder, why does the Bible say believe in the name? Why don't they just say believe in Jesus Christ? I think the answer is that we are to believe in what the name means. The name means God saves. God saves me as I believe in the name of his Son. That's what Mary and Joseph had to do. They had to believe that their little child, little helpless child that was going to be born, had such power that he was able to do for them, two adults, something they desperately needed that no one else could do, eternal salvation. They weren't thinking about that. They were just thinking about, well, how can we have a normal life here in the little village of Nazareth and be an ordinary couple, carpenter and his wife, They weren't anything all that special in the world's array of people. They were about as ordinary as anybody could be. But they needed to have faith to trust in the meaning of the name and the accomplishment of that name as it would come to pass from a child born to Mary. Yeshua, God saves. Because the name has the power to convey and accomplish the blessing of its meaning. And Mary and Joseph actually became the first Christians by trusting in a name that had transformational power. God saves. He saves through his son. His name and his person and all that he would do has power to save. And you need to know today that the name of Jesus communicates to every one of us who believes in him the power of what the name means, that God will actually save you as you take hold of his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to glory. What God did through this life is a saving act that becomes the possession of those who believe in his name. Thirdly tonight, not only is the name of Jesus revealed to us And not only does personal trust in that name make us his possession, we can also say this. Christian worship is all about exalting the name of Jesus Christ forever. According to the Bible, we cannot worship without Jesus Christ because a fundamental act of worship is prayer. And the Bible tells us that the right way to pray is through Jesus, our mediator. We are to pray in the name of Jesus. And that doesn't mean just that Christians tack on a little phrase at the end of every prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. No, it means that we are very conscious of the fact when we approach God that we could not approach him at all. In his holiness, his righteousness, his grandeur, his power, For he would be offended at us and we could not come to him unless we had that mediator who saves from sin. And so to pray in the name of Jesus is to pray to God through Christ to ask for him the things that Christ would have us ask to pray according to his character 
his aims, his goals, to model our thoughts as we make petitions to the Father or give the Father thanks, what would Jesus say? And that is praying in Jesus' name. The same man of a couple centuries ago, John Newton, who wrote the hymn you all know, Amazing Grace, wrote several other great hymns, and I love one of them that starts this way. It says, How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. And that song concludes on words of praise. It says, Jesus, my shepherd, my brother, my friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end, accept the praise that I bring. He made us to praise him once he has saved us. One day the scripture promises we will dwell with Christ as perfected souls in risen bodies and we will behold him face to face in a newly cleansed and constituted world when our praise will pour out of us so naturally it will be more like breathing than coming to a church service. As the praise of Jesus will be the center of our lives. We all know in this computer-driven society that we're urged to be careful about the passwords we use to open up technological portals to information. We're told we should change passwords, make them odd things that no one else would think of. Well, I give you the opposite advice when it comes to the spiritual core of your life. Don't change your password. There's only one. It is the name of Jesus. The password that opens up the portal of eternal life is the name of Jesus. You think about the simple man, Joseph. We don't know much about him except these little bits that we have here. He died before Jesus was an adult. But here was a man who just wanted to live his life. He probably was a good craftsman. He knew what to do with a sharp chisel and a mallet and a saw. And he just wanted to have his little place in a small town and not be bothered. And God dropped this amazing thing on him through the woman he was engaged to. And Joseph said, well, I'll just do what any normal Jewish man would do, what the law lets me do, and get out of this situation. But when God spoke to him in a vision, and when he was sure that it was God speaking, he found out that the name of Jesus The name that this child of Mary would have is a name he could put all his trust in. A name that would actually save him. And in the midst of the deep turmoil of his personal situation, he trusted God's revealed truth. He believed in that name. He went forward, and a man who never even spoke in the Bible deserves our greatest recognition of thanks and praise for that obedience. Have you done as much as Joseph did? Have you done as much as Mary did? By saying, yes, the name of Jesus means God saves. God saves me. And on this Christmas Eve, I challenge you, step away from a Christmas that's simply about tradition and wonderful carols and family and food and maybe some football thrown in. Christmas should be something much more fundamental than that. Will you use this time to yield your life 
your trust of eternity in this one whose name soars above all others and ask him to be your Lord, your Savior, to change you, to keep you, to make you his own. He will certainly do it if you will ask him. And I pray that you will. Our Father, tonight, we thank you for this wonderful mystery. We've sung about it from different angles. We thought about the angels and the shepherds. We thought about ancient prophecy. We've thought about Mary. We've thought about Joseph. All these things coming together could be just a lovely myth. And sad to say, there are many people who think that's all they are. Nothing more than that. I pray, O oh God, that you would show us that here you are facing us with the deepest truths of human existence, that Jesus is the name that saves. We honor him. We lift him up. We thank you for him. We bow to him. We ask you, Lord Jesus Christ, come into us, change us, rule over us, correct us, guide us, protect us. Be our God and Savior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.